0: Turn with me to, thank you so much. As a text, I would like to read a very short portion of scripture that in itself does not directly connect to what the references I'll make this morning, but indirectly they do. Uh, Ephesians chapter 3 verses 20 and 21. Ephesians chapter 3 verses 20 and 21. My gosh, I didn't know tears can mess up your glasses like that. Oh, well. <laughs> it says they were real. Now to him, and you've heard this verse before, it's almost become a just a, a passing by of scripture. We say it so almost like saying uh, the 23rd Psalm or Psalms 1, but it's very important this morning. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, Above all that we can ask or think. Uh, Would you say that? He's able to do what? Exceedingly and what? Abundantly. Above all that we can ask or think. If you've been studying with us on Wednesday nights, you would know that we are uh, about to start the 90-day challenge of delighting. We started uh, to talk about that last Wednesday. Uh, Psalms 37 and 4 says, Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will... Listen to this. I saw this, and it just kind of... Something changed. And he will grant you the desires and the petitions of your heart. That's from the Amplified Version. Okay, let me break that down for you. Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give to you the things you think about and the things you talk about. Mm, 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 mm. Somebody, you, you feel that, don't you? You, you? you feel that, don't you? Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will release into your life. Not, not maybe, there's a possibility He will release into your lives the desires and the petition. The things you think about and the things you ask about or you talk about. He's going to release them both into your lives. The thing that gets us off track quite often is that we know we have a strong sense of the, the season that God has moved us into. We know when we've come out of a season of just continuous pressure and things are just falling apart and we literally can feel it when when the rubber band begins to release the pressure a little bit. But what gets us is that we don't know the exact timing of God's release. We know the season because we feel it coming on, but we don't know the exact time And quite often, because we don't know the exact time, we lose heart and we faint. Not only don't we know the time, but we also don't know who in our family or our lineage he will release what we've been praying about to or in. When we pray, quite often, we are thinking about what God, I'm praying about this, I'm I'm fasting about this, I'm crying to you about this, and our thoughts say, when God is ready, he's going to release it in my life, right? Have you thought about the fact that God doesn't have to release it in your life, that maybe what you're praying about now will be released? in your daughter, your son, or your grandchild? And is that okay with you? You would be surprised at how many Christians that's not okay with. They don't even realize that they are absolutely selfish and Mm self-centered by by having an expression an uh, expectation for God to only release what they prayed for in their lives and that if they they only think briefly about their prayers being the blessings connected to their prayers being released into their children or grandchildren or great-grandchildren that is not an acceptable option can I tell you God knows your heart So if you are praying selfishly, God knows that you're praying selfishly. One of the greatest examples of my life has been my dad. There are things that I saw my dad at some points mockingly on my part. Now it does not take all of that for you to be getting up at 5 o'clock every morning and praying until 7. And then at 6, or a little before 6, mom would, would join him, and they would pray together. Not, not one month, not, not one year. Years and years is what we saw as an example in our home. Can I tell you, I don't know about all my other siblings, had 11 of us, now we're down to 10 with the home going of my sister Ruth. But I can tell you that only about one third of what my dad prayed for about my life was he able to see. He did not know that I would bloom, well, I didn't know actually, sorry, that I would be here doing what I'm doing with the fervent and passion that I'm doing it. But somehow, in prayer, my dad knew. You know how I know he knew? Because every time we talked, he would be encouraging me in the same way. Son, God's got his hand on you. God's got his hand on you. There's purpose coming out of your life. There's purpose coming out of your life. Don't fight it. Get your life in order. Straighten your credit out. Get this right. Get that right because you don't know where God wants to use you. He would literally tell me that stuff. I remember I had, and this is, I don't know who needs this, but about 15 years before it was absolutely needed, we have the, a church burnt, the dad pioneered, and uh, the fire started in that building on the outside. Someone who was sleeping between the storage building and the church looks like they they lit a bucket galvanized bucket with cinders to keep them warm we never found the person but anytime a fire starts on the outside of a building it becomes a very suspicious situation so the ATF came in and uh, SLED came in Florence uh, Police Department they investigated for about three months to make sure that there was not a member involved we're trying to make money on the insurance all kinds of stuff during the process one of the main areas of investigation was the young pastor of the church they wanted to know how I was paying my bills they wanted to know how my credits was and they looked and saw at that moment that time my credit score was about 810. It cleared me. But what they don't know is that 15 years before that, when I had a delinquent school loan and a delinquent uh, uh, a repossessed Jeep that I stopped paying on, and I didn't care about paying on it because my name was Burton A. Ross, like my dad's, one of those bills just happened to go by his house by mistake. He opened it up and he saw delinquent school loan, delinquent, a repossessed G. He didn't say a thing but prayed. But when I came home to visit, he said to me, son, let's go eat. We had some, we had the fun. He said, I got a couple of things to talk to you about. This is 15 plus years before the fire. And that said, well, you know, things are going, how things are going in school, blah, 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 you, in Pennsylvania, things are, yeah, that, things are going great. He said, I got something to talk to you about. I, I, I got these two letters in the mail, came to be by mistake. I opened them up, I said, that must be money. Delinquent school loans, repossessed car. He said, son, you got to tell me. Do you feel called to the ministry? I said, yes, Dad. I absolutely do. It's why I'm off studying. He said, oh, you think you might be called to be a, maybe an evangelist? You know, the guy that hit and run. He don't have to stay around. He just got to come and bam and leave. I said, no, 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 no. That's not it, Dad. I, I believe I, I'm not fully embracing it, but I believe God wants me to be a shepherd someday. He said, oh, okay. Okay, son. You got to know my dad. Then no emotion. Just... Just the facts, please, just the facts. I said, oh, okay, okay. He said to me, uh, well, you know, son, you, I know you know this, but let me say it again. You can't preach what you're not doing, right? Yeah, yeah, dad, yeah. And if you got ruckus credit because you don't pay your bills, you, you can't teach anybody about paying their bills. You have a fruitful ministry. If fruitful ministry. If you know that you're supposed to take care of this, and you just let it be, then you you can't really shepherd anybody into doing this. And that's it, that's all he said, you gotta fix this son, if that's that's what you believe God. And from that moment on, I went back home and started chipping away. I literally, on, on the car, the repossessed car loan, I had to go through two collection agencies. The first one had already sold it to a collection agency. And they had already written it off. And I tracked them down. I said, I'm the guy. They said, well, we're surprised nobody does this. I said, well, I'm I'm doing it. What will it take to settle this? They settled with me for, I think, a little less than half of what I owed. Got it off my credit report. And that was the first of all the other things things. So by the time we got to the fire, my credit score has gone from 540 to 810, and they don't know how, but God knew. There are things that God is working uh, out in your life now. He wants you to act on it now. You don't see how it will affect you later. You don't know how it's going to affect your life. You don't know how it's going to affect your grandkids. You don't know how it's going to affect your kids. But, but, but if you don't take care of it now, you're going to be crying 10 years from now. Does the rapture hold? You're going to be frowning and, and fussing and slapping yourself, saying, why did not listen? Why, why, why? My dad has has not been around to see all of this happen. Do you hear me? My dad was not around. He has not been around to see what I'm turning into. But he believed. And that belief caused him to be getting up at 5 in the morning for most of my adult life and praying from 5 to 7. Today I want to spend just a few moments and I'm not going to finish everything today on the in-between places. The in-between places. Now unto him who's able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that you can ask or think according to the power that works in you, Go to Job chapter 1, verse 1, 2, and 3. There was a man in the land of Oz whose name was Job, and that man was blameless and upright and one who feared God and shunned evil. Blameless and upright. He was honest inside and out. That's the message Bible for young folks. He was honest inside and out. He was a man of his word who completely devoted and reverenced God. And he hated evil with passion. That's the the message Bible. This guy was you and me better this guy was the guy who the word said is blameless. Every day and twice on Sunday, you could set your clock with his life. He's not going to lie on any circumstance. He will be honest every single time, even to his own detriment. He hates evil with a passion. He will not, he will not, Psalms 1, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the what? Counsel of the ungodly. Nor what? sitteth in the seat of those that scorn God. Or what? Standeth in the way of those that persist in sin. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. That's Job. Hate evil with a passion. And yet, and yet he had to face the challenge. I want you to know, you can go back and read this, that the beginning of Job's challenge was not started with the devil. If you don't understand, quite often the challenges that are coming your way are not being started by the devil. They're started with God himself trusting you Loving you, hedging his bet on you. God almighty, somebody's gonna get this for a long. Somebody's gonna get this. That God saw Lucifer coming by, and God says to him, Lucifer, I got something to ask you. Have you considered my servant Job? Is I don't know about you guys, but I am telling you this morning: if you have been discouraged and become despondent because you believe that you have been under consistent attack and you have been under obvious pressure and you have been just completely discombobled by all of the negative circumstances, that is happening because God already bet on you standing. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Glory be to God. I don't even need to go any further, but I'm going to go in some more. I think the reason why we don't have tenacious faith in many places and areas of church life is because we don't have, uh uh uh, uh. Alfred, we don't have an understanding that God bet on us first. We think it's just us and the devil. We think that Satan picked us out of the crowd. Who do you think you are that the devil would pick you out? Who do you think you are that the devil would pick you out? Of every other human being, the eight billion on the planet, the only thing special about you and I is that God bet on you first. Oh. 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 Uh, Is there a, a level of excitement that's building right now? Do you understand that if God didn't bet on you, you were worth less? Do you understand that if God didn't bet on you first, that nothing good was expected out of your life? Do you understand that if God didn't bet on you first, that you are next to nothing? Have you considered my servant Job? And then Satan replies with a challenge to God's bet. Every test and trial that you're going through is Satan's response to God's bet on you. Though it does not matter what the devil says. It does not matter what he uses people to tell you. Every Every test, every trial that you're navigating right now is in response to a bet that's been placed on you. Thank you, Jesus. If you get that fully this morning... You will walk around even when you're at your lowest places in life. And you will say like David, bless the Lord, oh my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, my soul, and forget not all of his benefits. Who who, who redeemeth my life from destruction, who heals me, who provides for me. You will begin to say things. That God sees in you, and you will stay away from things that you see in yourself. Every time you speak negativity about yourself or your circumstance, it means that you are not seeing what God's betting on. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. The challenge. The challenge. A. Satan is always challenging God about you. Satan is always challenging God about you. Satan is always challenging God. It's not just with Job in Job 1. Satan is always challenging God. He's not going to stop. Do you hear me? He's not going to stop challenging God about your life. B. B. Your growth process will always have people who love you but still challenge you about God. Your growth process will always include people who say they love you and even love you for real. But challenge you about God. The Bible does not say anything about Job's wife hating him. Do you know that? Bible doesn't say nothing about Mrs. Job saying, you're a low-down, dirty dog. I don't want nothing to do with you no more. I'm leaving. I'm going to find you, me another man. says nothing about that. But at Job's lowest point, when he loses everything, significant amount of wealth he was the richest man in the east at that time in the world and then the adversary challenged some more and God said but you can attack his body and at this point he's lost everything he's sitting outside with a piece of clay brick scraping the oozing wounds on his leg and trying to, to dab the inflammation coming out of them on a brick or something nearby I want you to see the picture. And his dear wife, who we know loves him, says him in Job 2, 9 and 10, that his wife said to him, do you still hold fast your integrity? Are you still holding close to your belief That God sees and knows you and God chose you first? Are you still in this state willing to believe that God sees you, knows you, and is with you? What she said to Job was based on two things, I believe. Because the Bible doesn't say she didn't love him no more. But in her own humanity, possibly without the same relationship that Job had with God, she looks at everything that he's lost, and she says, this God thing ain't working. Only thing I could see is just go ahead and die. Get yourself out of your misery. I love you and everything, but have you had anyone that you have have walked through cancer with? That in a healthy state, they were were beautiful, elegant, almost fluffy. I I don't want to use any other names. They were just good to look upon. But by the time cancer got them in stage four, they were a bag of bones. You could hardly sit and look at them, not because you hated them but because you couldn't deal with what you, you were seeing based on what you knew. You still love them and everything, but what was your prayer? What was your prayer at that point? What was your prayer? When they're in stage four and they're down to 70 pounds and used to be 170, what is your prayer? Say it again. What is your prayer? Is that because you hate them? No. I could see her telling her husband, son, you look worse than a bag of bones. This is not the man I married. You, the best thing you could do is just go ahead and curse God and die. You and God are disclosed, and maybe if you curse him, it'll make him take you out faster. It's the in-between places. It's the in-between places. Here's Job answer. What's Job's answer? But he said to her, you speak as one of the foolish women would speak. Shall we receive good from God and shall not receive evil? shall we receive good and not also be tested? I've had the discussion many times with believers who don't understand why God has taken someone out of their lives. My own dad, certain point there was a feeling. He's 76, but but, but the timing is wrong. He wasn't supposed to die now. The minute I make when he was supposed to die or when he wasn't supposed to die, my issue, I'm over there discussing life and death with God. Like if I know everything. As if I know all the plans God has for everybody. Unless you understand this declaration from, from Job, You're talking like a foolish woman. Try saying that to a family member or friend who's telling you, yeah, she died too early. You're talking like a foolish woman because God knows everything. You're talking like a foolish brother. Because this person right here, especially somebody that is godly and God-fearing and blameless before God and hates evil, they ain't going nowhere if God doesn't say, come home. He said to her, shall we receive good from God and shall we not receive evil or testing? And in all of this, Job did not sin with his lips. I want you to get this, guys. I want you to get this. What are we talking about this morning? What are we The in-between places. When you are in, when you are standing in the in-between places, you're not going to be just challenged by the devil. So the first challenge is, is Satan challenging God about you. The second challenge is people... Challenging you about God. You've got to pass through both of these and get to the third one. What is the third one? You challenging you about God. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. You challenging you about God. If you get stuck, about what the adversary is challenging God about you, you're messing with God's business. If you get stuck about people challenging you about God, you're going to flesh out and act carnal. But when you start looking at you and challenging you about what God says about you, whatever you're going through, you are the apple of God's eye. Whatever you're dealing with, you are the righteousness of God in Christ. Whatever you are dealing with, God is your provider. It don't matter how empty the cupboards look, you are Jehovah Jireh, my provider. It don't matter how how bare the kitchen looks, it doesn't matter how empty the refrigerator looks, Lord, I thank you because you are Jehovah Jireh, my provider. Lord, I thank you. I know this, this, this illness that my mama got, my child got, my, my so-and-so is going through. I don't understand it, but I know one thing. You are Jehovah Rapha, my healer. You are Jehovah Rapha, my doctor. You are Jehovah Rapha, my surgeon. You are Jehovah Rapha, whatever I'm going through. Your name hasn't changed. I say your name hasn't changed. Your name hasn't changed. I challenge you this morning and I'm closing out right here for you to get to this place where you challenge you about God. I'm reading Isaiah 43 and that's where we will go into the end with. Isaiah 43, 1 and 2. But now, when, I, when we get to uh, Jacob, I want you to put your name in there. We're going to read it together. And when we get to Israel, I want you to put the assembly in it. Right? We're going to redefine what our tribe looks like here. Hallelujah. Glory be sure. Glory to God. But now, thus says the Lord, who created you, oh, Andrew. Call your name out, call your name out. You, if you don't take ownership of this, I, I can't help you. I could only give you the information. I can only give you the medicine, but you're going to have to take the pills on your own. I get you a cup of water, but I'm not going to force it down your throat. But now, thus said the Lord, who created you, O oh Andrew, and he who formed you, O oh assembly. <laughs> Fear not. For I have redeemed you. I have called you by your name. You belong to me. Come on. Who chose you? Who chose you this morning? Who chose you this morning? Who chose you this morning? I know Taz is looking. Man, Taz, man, if you're watching, I listen for your voice up there when you're not here, son. Oh, man, this is where he would be fired up and excited. Who chose you? Who chose you? Who chose you? Who chose you? What did I start off with? What did I start off with, Deacon? If you have a clear picture of who chose you, nothing else matters. If you have a clear understanding of who chose who first, nothing else matters. You will face whatever you're facing and you will be able to say, like Job ended with. His wife saying, curse God and die. He responds by calling her a foolish woman, right? But his real response to her encouragement to curse God is found in Job 13. And these are the two brackets that you're going to be dealing with all, all the time. Why do I take my own flesh in my teeth and put my life in my own hand? That's the first question. And then you think about it and you chew on it. That is not right. When I'm trying to decide my fate by myself, take my own life in my own hand, that, that, that's foolishness right there, Andrew. That's foolishness. So, so I'm going to get myself... I'm going to rewind. I'm going to get myself right. And now I'm going to speak. I'm going to speak God. I'm going to speak word. I'm going to speak encouragement to myself. Though. yet will I trust him. Though he slay me, yet will I trust him. Curse God and die, son. You know you can't get worse than this. Go ahead and just get out of your misery. Curse him and die. No, 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 no. You, you, you foolish. You don't understand. Though he slays me, yet will I trust him. Even so, I will defend my own way before him. What does that mean? I'm going to worship even when I'm wailing. In the middle of my wailing, I'm not going to have aimless, wordless, stressful wailing. I'm not going to cry like folk who don't know God. I'm going to worship when I wail. I'm going to go before God and I say, bless the Lord. And let all that is in me bless you, God. You are my life and my salvation. You are my food. You are my manner. You are my provision. You are my healer. You are my helper. You are the one who brought me through the last. And if you did it that time, you can do it this time. If you did it before, you can do it again. If you did it before, you can do it again. And so I say, bless the Lord. Oh, my soul, all that is in me. Bless you, Lord. 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 Stand up with me. Stand up with me. Hey! Though he slay me, yeah, will I trust you? Yeah, will I trust you? Yeah, I, when you're standing in the in-between place, when you're standing in the in-between place, when you're standing in the in-between place, the places that you don't tell other people about, the places that you can't discuss the details in, the places where where you 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 just feel so lost. You gotta get your worship right. Gotta get 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 back in your worship all that's in me i'm gonna bless you lord i'm gonna bless you i'm gonna bless you in the morning i'm gonna bless you in the evening hallelujah i've been looking for ways to press in more to get myself more in tune with the spirit i found me an app that comes up three times a day early in the morning at six i'm already up praying anyway but it comes on and starts going off prayer prayer it does all it says prayer prayer I hit the buzzer and I go into prayer. Then, about 12 o'clock, 12 15, it goes off again. Prayer, 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 prayer. I hit the buzzer and I go into prayer again. Lord, I thank you for my life. I thank you for grace. I'm driving, I'm thanking you, Lord, that no one has crossed over the median to take me out of purpose. Last week, Six of the top golfers from college in Texas and their coach died in a blaze of fire. In a blaze, just said what it means to be laughing on a trip back home after winning a tournament, and all of a sudden you wake up moments before you actually die to be engulfed in fire and not know God then and not have a relationship with God then you won't have time to say help me Jesus and then find out that it was a 13 year old kid driving a truck on the other side and the child and the driver the the passenger in in the truck also died nine people you're telling me you can't thank God every time you think about what God has done for you. If he doesn't do another thing for you this morning, he's done enough. Am I am I right? Am I, am I, am I right? If he did do another thing, he's done, he's done everything he needed to do. Oh, would you lift your hand with me and just thank God? Thank God, thank God. Lord, I thank you for keeping me in the the in-between places. You've stood with me in my in-between. You've protected me in my in-between. You've covered me in my in-between. You have watched out for me in my in-between places. Thank you, Jesus. 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 Lord, I bless your name this morning. I bless you. Thank you, Jesus. If you're watching us on any of our streaming networks, God's calling you right now, calling you back, calling you back, calling you back home, calling you back home. Come on, old prodigal son. You're here this morning and you're a prodigal child. You know what God did for you in the past. You know there was no reason for you to walk away from God repent right now. Repent, repent, repent. Say, Lord, I repent. I repent of my sin. I repent. I repent. I repent for rejecting you when you had nothing to do with my calamity in the bad. You knew that I should ask this death. I'm the one who gave up my work, right? Lord, I'm coming back and I'm saying, take me back home. Take me back home. Take me back home. Take me back, Lord. Forgive me. Wash me. Clean me. Fill me with your presence. Fill me with your loving kindness. Fill me, oh God, with your goodness once again. Lord, I thank you. Lord, I thank you. Lord, I thank you. Would you give God, give God a high praise. Give God a high praise. Give God a high praise. Give him a high praise. Committed themselves and their lives and their families to you this morning. You see those that are streaming networks who have asked you to come back and take full control and ownership of their lives. Let it be so, Father. Let it be so. Let it be so. Let it be so. Let it be so so. in Jesus' name. I come them with your blood. I receive them back on your behalf into the kingdom, into the family, into the tribe of God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Welcome home. 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 Every prodigal. Every prodigal. Welcome home. Father, we thank you for everything you've done today. Thank you for your word. Thank you for the the worship and dance the leading of our worship team our Levites we thank you for being so good to us as we leave this place we are not leaving your presence we are not leaving your presence we're taking you with us watch over us, guide us, cover us protect us, lead us into truth Holy Spirit, I say lead us into truth Holy Spirit lead us into truth Holy Spirit in Jesus' name Give God a lot of praise and let's end with that, let's end with that, let's end with that, let's end with that. Let's end with that. Hallelujah.
1: Thank you for joining us for this service at the Assembly. We hope that it blessed you and strengthened your walk with God. If you responded to the message, will you take just a few moments to fill out a response card in the chat so that we can celebrate with you? If you would like to give to what God is doing through the Assembly, you can do so in three ways. First, you can give online at theassemblyflorence.org. If you're on a desktop click the Give Now button in the top right hand corner. If you're on a smartphone or a tablet click on the plus button in the top right hand corner and then the Give Now button. Both of those Give Now buttons will take you to our online giving platform where you can then set up a one-time gift or a recurring gift and even designate the fund that you would like your giving to go to. You can also give by sending a text message to the phone number 833-729-2238 with a message that says SC Assembly Guild. It's all one word together. You'll then receive a text message with instructions on how to move forward. You can also mail check or money order written out to The Assembly to The Assembly 2925 West Palmetto Street Florence, South Carolina, 29501. Thank you and have a great week. Make sure you check us out for Power Up with Pastor Andrew on Monday, Wednesday, and Friday from 6 to 6.30 a.m. And times of refreshing at the assembly on Wednesday at 7 p.m. God bless and we'll see you next time here at the assembly.